The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So after months and months and months and months and months, seven months, lawmakers have uh, finally agreed to a second coronavirus stimulus and they have not yet voted on it. They've agreed on it. The House and Senate still need to vote on it. But in this story, I'll tell you everything that you might be getting uh, and also what big business is getting and what nobody's getting, which is very, very important. Um, sadly, this is mostly too little too late. Like if you want to just click off and go to a different story, it's mostly too little too late and you'll see why momentarily. Uh, but let's dig into it. This t- the, the package in total is nine hundred billion dollars. It will include six hundred dollar payments to adults earning up to seventy five thousand dollars with the possibility of an additional six hundred per dependent child living at home, although the language and the specifics on that may still change. It's not completely clear. Um, Restarted enhanced unemployment will be in place for three hundred dollars per week for 11 weeks. Remember, the original enhanced unemployment was six hundred a week. This will be three hundred a week. There will be two hundred and eighty four billion dollars for businesses. The PPP program will be restarted. There will be expanded eligibility uh, for nonprofits, newspapers, radio and TV broadcasters, 15 billion for performance venues and independent movie theaters, which are essentially shut down in total, uh, save some rare examples that have figured out how to do sort of uh, like mask required. Everybody gets tested on the way in types of things. There will be money for testing and tracing eighty two billion dollars for colleges and schools, which many people have an issue with Uh, uh, the the idea of some of these largely well endowed schools uh, getting money when they don't even really need to be charging tuition. They could pay for everybody's tuition with the interest on their endowments. That's a problem for some thirteen billion dollars for nutritional assistance, seven billion for broadband access, twenty five billion for rental assistance and an extended eviction moratorium. So basically it's too little too late. And the devil is in the details with a lot of these line items. For example, just to pick one, seven billion dollars for broadband support. How exactly does that work? Is it just a cash grab for ISPs? Is it actually reimbursements for people who sign up for Internet service? How is that that all? It's it's all in the in the details because these programs can either be beneficial or slush funds for big corporations or both. Admittedly, it can be it can be both. Now, is it better than nothing? Well, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, with the caveat that sometimes doing something crappy is used as an excuse to not do anything else. So if I have a gunshot wound and you hand me a Band-Aid, is the Band-Aid better than nothing if more help is coming? Well, yeah, it might be. The Band-Aid might do something for me for two minutes until we get real treatment. But if handing me the Band-Aid is all we do, well, then I'm going to be screwed. And it's been seven months since the last uh, stimulus package people are getting half the cash payment and half the enhanced unemployment. And uh, now I, I I've been getting voicemails over the weekend from people who seem to think the reason I'm I did a segment last week advocating for more. There's people who seem to think I'm advocating for more so that I will get more of something. Uh, I, I, I don't even know that I need to do this, but I will mention that I am getting nothing. I got nothing last time and neither did my business. I'm getting nothing this time 
and neither is my business. I'm not arguing for even a single dollar for myself. I'm getting zero either way. So the, it's half the benefits for people as as the first time, half the money as the first time. Uh, and then the unemployment benefits are half as big and they last for only 11 weeks, about three months. So this all counts on a dramatically strong recovery that will be in full swing by March. And things should be better by then um, as it starts getting warmer again and people start being vaccinated at a, at a higher rate. But expecting anything approaching a full recovery by by three months from now seems very silly. Uh, some industries won't be fully recovered for years. It is believed a huge portion of small businesses are never reopening. People are making zero right now. So much like I said before, this was put together. Uh, uh, you, you know, if you're really struggling, six hundred dollars isn't going to do much for you at all. It's been seven months. You get six hundred bucks. It's not enough for a month's rent in almost any part of the country. The unemployment payments won't be retroactive. So if you've been out of a job for the last several months, um, that that's just gone. Uh, too bad it's not retroactive. And there are some on the right who are saying you should be grateful that you got anything. The government doesn't owe you anything. Six hundred dollars is six hundred more than the government owes you. Well, the the idea of owing is. So Sort of strange, but consider that the government allowed the pandemic to get this bad in the first place. One of the worst responses in the world from the Trump administration. And now it's everyone else who should be grateful that they'll get 600 bucks, which is, of course, paid out of our own tax money. Remember, despite it being the government's fault that this got so bad in the first place and had the government handled this properly in a better way we wouldn't even need the degree of stimulus that's now needed. And then on the tail end of this, just the last thought that I have on this, uh, calling it a rescue package is almost laughable. But there is some aspect of this that makes me wonder, is Mitch McConnell and our, our Republicans all of a sudden ready to get this done quickly because they believe it will help Kelly Leffler and David Perdue in Georgia? And what I mean by that is we've had the 2020 election. Trump lost. Biden won. OK. Uh, Democrats retained control of the House, albeit by a smaller margin than they had after the 2018 election. But control of the Senate is still a question mark. Control of the Senate, Senate is still up for grabs, and it will depend on these two runoff elections on January 5th in Georgia. Uh, is this an attempt to say, hey, look, Leffler and Purdue delivered 600 bucks to you and more unemployment money, even to many vo voters in Georgia, Republican Georgia voters? who don't even think the government should be giving people anything. Is that part of the calculation here? I don't know uh, that that, you know, with Mitch McConnell, it's the answer is it's likely. So it's been agreed upon. It's not yet been voted on. We'll follow the, the process up to actually being approved if it will be. And then, of course, who knows how many weeks or months it would be until people actually get any money. If you really want to hear about just the worst of the worst of the left, you have to hear about what's happening over the last 72 hours. Now, last week, I got a phone call during live calls on last Friday show from a viewer asking me, what do I think about the AOC versus Jimmy Dore debate? And when the caller asked me about it, I had no idea what it was about. And the caller explained to me very, very politely. The debate is that a YouTuber named Jimmy Dore thinks that the squad should hold their votes for Nancy Pelosi's uh, speaker of uh, speakership hostage 
unless Nancy Pelosi is willing to hold a vote in the House for Medicare for all. And when the caller brought it up, I hadn't heard about it at the time. It started on Twitter the previous weekend. I don't watch the show that the caller mentioned. I wasn't on Twitter over the over that weekend, so I had no idea. I have now learned about it thanks to the caller. And the same thing continued to explode this weekend, where now even AOC apparently isn't progressive enough. AOC is failing progressive purity tests because she's unsure about the value of holding her vote hostage for a Medicare for all vote in the House. She's questioning whether that would really do anything for people with acute needs right now. Now, the funny thing about all of this, there's a bunch of funny things and some sad things and some infuriating things. One of the funny things about this is that for the last several years, when it comes to AOC, I've mostly been attacked for being too critical of AOC and for not being deferential enough to any of AOC's notions. When I found that she lacked knowledge or pragmatism in one place or another, I would mention it. People would be furious with me. Now, AOC is actually the one being pragmatic and the so-called populist left has turned on her. And what's really bonkers is that the populist left seems more angry with AOC than they are with Donald Trump when Trump is going lunatic authoritarian uh, and had an Oval Office meeting uh, over the weekend about whether he should declare martial law, if he even could, whether he should seize voting machines by force because he lost an election and he can't admit it. But the populist left on Twitter is focused on AOC. Now, in fact, I actually said about seven to eight months after AOC was sworn in, you know, guys, I have to tell you, I am pleased that AOC's political instincts are maturing since she's gotten into Congress. Her political instincts improved dramatically from the campaign AOC to when she was actually in office. Her pragmatism and her understanding of how politics works improved dramatically. Uh, Now, if you said to me right now, what is the most important thing to keep in mind about this issue? What is the most instructive possible takeaway about this spat that is taking place within the left? mostly on Twitter and Reddit. Well, there's actually a few takeaways. Number one, there is nothing wrong with now. I want people to take out a notepad and make a note of what I'm about to say and don't email me about it. Okay, because I'm I'm telling you right now, there's nothing wrong with uh, people on the left criticizing others on the left. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with uh, progressives primarying centrist or corporate Democrats. That should be that's great. That should be encouraged. OK, great. Th- there's nothing wrong with any of those things at a structural level. But the takeaways here are number one, the so-called populist left on Twitter and Reddit represents a small but very mo- vocal Internet enclave that does not connect to most of what's happening in the real world. Now, we learned this. Sadly, it was a rude awakening during the Democratic primary. How could Bernie possibly have lost? He had so much energy. He had the best streams. He had the best rallies. If you spent time on Twitter and Reddit, it looked like Bernie couldn't possibly have lost that primary. But he lost the primary by millions of votes because most of the electorate and the Democratic Party voters are not in the Internet populist left space. It's not a value judgment. It's an evaluation of fact. And if we don't get it, it'll continue to go this way. And this is the exact same thing. If you're a factory worker dad 
who's trying to figure out how to put food on your family's table for your two kids while continuing to work during a pandemic. And your employer might have to lay off 10% of the workforce due to the pandemic, and you might be in that 10% laid off. Do you need a list of the members of Congress who support Medicare for all right now, particularly absent any actual credible way to get it passed as we are about to get a new Congress seated? I'm not saying the dad doesn't care about Medicare for all. I'm not saying that dad wouldn't benefit from Medicare for all. I'm saying, does anyone outside of these online spaces think that what is effectively a naughty and nice list in a Congress that has two weeks left before some uh, some leave and some new people get sworn in? That's what that dad cares about. Or imagine a business owner in Houston who sells wedding dresses, okay, and has seen their business decimated due to the stim due to the, pan the pandemic. They're waiting on a second stimulus. They're wondering when will people go back to weddings? That business owner is waiting on a vote on Medicare for all, which there is not even support for in the Senate anyway, and which Joe Biden didn't run on. What? just to have a list of people to primary. So the point isn't that there's no place for such a vote or that it shouldn't be done. I'm fine with it. But attacking AOC now because she's far more realistic about how politics works than much of the populist left. When we're tr we're trying to get a second stimulus, it looks like we're going to get a pathetic one. Uh, and we have so many other issues going on. And again, the, the president is talking about martial law and seizing voting machines. The, the point is AOC now is not left enough. She's not passed the progressive purity test. It's another example of the left eating itself. If these people are even on the left, I'm not sure. And that's what's tricky about populist rhetoric. It sounds very similar on the left and right until you get to the solutions. Some of the so-called populist left now attacking AOC is praising Tulsi Gabbard whose recent ideas on trans people and abortion don't look like anything I recognize as being part of the left. So maybe the issue and I'm thinking out loud here, maybe the issue is that some of these people aren't really leftists. They seem more into what Tucker Carlson is proposing than what we see from AOC. Now, again, there are people who say I'm not really on the left. So starting to to say, well, this person is not really what they claim to be. I, I get that it's fraught and that it's problematic. And my point, again, just to restate it, is not that the left shouldn't criticize the left when the left fails to be left, as I've done many times. Um, but uh, the, the, the real issue here is that it seems to be a complete loss of the plot, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, Trump considering martial law and people are saying AOC being unwilling to do something that will make no political difference anyway makes her enemy number one. This is how the left keeps losing. I want the left to win. I don't think this is the path to victory. Um, let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. Remember that on January 1st, we will be doing a one day membership special. The idea is to set the one day record for new memberships. As we've speculated, my immoral, illegal membership specials could be clamped down on by the incoming Biden administration. So you got to get those memberships before Biden is sworn in. That's that's a joke. Everybody relax. It's we're just kidding around. Uh, but in all seriousness, on January 1st, we'll send out an email blast with a monstrous membership special. If you want to be notified about it, just get on my mailing list at davidpackman.com and let me know what you think about this entire AOC thing. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at dpackman. The David Pakman Show at davidpackman.com. Hey, 
Hey, take a minute to check out our sponsor. It's called Just Egg. Many of you know that over the years I've made my diet more plant based for a variety of reasons. I've always loved eggs and Just Egg is a great way to take a food many of us love, but make it a plant based version. Just Egg has all the protein of eggs, but it's made from mung beans, so it uses 98% less water and causes 93% fewer carbon emissions than a conventional egg. Just Egg cooks and tastes exactly like a conventional egg. I've tried it for omelets, scrambled eggs, French toast, banana bread, pad thai, even anything you'd normally use eggs for. I actually think if I cooked something for a friend without telling them about just egg, they wouldn't even know the difference. You can find it in the egg aisle at your grocery store or on Amazon Prime now or Instacart. They also have a frozen version, which is perfect for breakfast sandwiches. Just egg. Check it out. One of our sponsors today is Lucy, and they are giving my audience 20% off. Lucy is a company founded by Caltech scientists with only one mission, which is to help people quit smoking and vaping by offering a clean, affordable nicotine alternative. Now, many of you know, you've heard the stories. I've known several people in my life who have struggled with quitting smoking. I've seen how difficult it can be. And nicotine alternatives can be hugely helpful. Lucy offers a nicotine gum in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon and pomegranate. They also have lozenges which come in cherry ice flavor. Lucy is affordable. It'll ship right to your door. You don't have to go out to the store. Shipping is always free. You can buy single boxes or save with a subscription. It's the year 2020. It's time to throw the cigarettes away and get rid of the vape and Lucy can make it easier. You'll find a ton of excellent reviews online from countless people who have used Lucy to quit smoking and vaping. Go check them out at lucy.co. That's L U C Y dot co. The URL is in the podcast notes and you will get 20% off when you use the coupon code Pacman. Quick disclaimer, I'm required to give these products contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. Remember, we're mostly funded by memberships, people who just go to joinpacman.com and sign up. It's quick, it's easy. You get the daily bonus show just for our paid members. And it just feels good. You can use the coupon code Fresh Start to get 70% off your choice of membership. Pick anyone you like at joinpacman.com. There's simply no way to tell you how insane this story is without screaming and going crazy. But I'm going to try to do it while while sort of remaining calm, if, if it's possible. Uh, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, who lost the November election by a lot to Joe Biden and is scheduled to leave the White House in a month, had a meeting at the White House this weekend where he discussed with lawyers declaring martial law and forcibly seizing voting machines. See how calmly I said that uh, the calmness with which I said it has no connection whatsoever to the complete and utter insanity and depravity of the situation. And considering martial law isn't the only thing that Donald Trump did during this meeting. Trump is considering naming that complete nut lawyer, Sidney Powell. She's the conspiracy theorist attorney 
who Trump said just weeks ago has nothing to do with anything he's doing. Trump is considering naming her special counsel to oversee a supposed voter fraud investigation. This is the same woman who said that there's a Venezuelan plot also involving Antifa, George Soros and a guy named Eric Coomer to steal the election. Trump is considering naming her special counsel. Trump and Rudy Giuliani want the Department of Homeland Security to seize voting machines to examine them. And some of Donald Trump's lawyers and if chief of staff his chief of staff said, you know, you, you actually can't do that. Now, at one point in this meeting, when people were telling Trump the things you want to do are against the law, Sidney Powell reportedly started chastising them, saying that they were quitters. They were unwilling to do what needed to be done. When Donald Trump was told, you know, Department of Homeland Security, they can't just go and seize voting machines legally from the states. Trump suggested, what if I sign an executive order to seize the voting machines, which Trump's lawyer, Pat Cipollone, said, yeah, we also can't do that. And then, yes, Donald Trump asked the team about imposing martial law, as suggested previously, recently by Donald Trump's indicted and later pardoned former national security adviser Michael Flynn, who during a recent appearance on Newsmax said Trump should declare martial law. So this is where we are right now. This is now the insane situation in which we find ourselves. The president is actually thinking and saying out loud to lawyers, what if I impose martial law to avoid having to admit that I lost the election in order to try to steal it? And meanwhile, the Trump administration is saying that it's bad that a Biden advisor used a bad word last week. I mean, can you can you imagine everything is backwards? Trump wants to look at seizing voting machines People around Trump are telling him bad idea. It's illegal. And Trump considers naming the woman they recently said had nothing to do with them to oversee all of this. And you know what's really insane when word of this and other harebrained plans uh, previously have leaked a bunch of Trump's followers react uh, and they say, oh, you know, this is uh, th this this is too th they don't instead of saying Wow, that's too far that this tr even this I voted for Trump, but even this is too much. They react by saying, you know, if Trump is thinking of doing this, it must be part of some brilliant plan because Trump always has something up his sleeve. Trump, he must be playing 4D chess. Remember Benghazi and the 11 congressional hearings that were held to look at what crimes Hillary committed, which turned out to be none. There have been no hearings over Trump's complete mishandling of the pandemic in which more than 300,000 Americans have died. And there is no discussion, at least right now, about wait a second. Do, if we had 11 hearings over Benghazi, shouldn't we be looking into what the president is doing, talking about martial law, seizing voting machines and a special counsel to investigate non-existent voter fraud? That doesn't deserve an investigation. The last month that we have to go here. At this point, I guess it's 29, 30 days. This last month is not going to be calm and boring. It's going to be off the rails. Outrageous. That's very clear. And on the tail end of this, uh, uh, remember, as Donald Trump is doing this, much of the populist left is talking about how AOC might not meet their progressive purity tests. That's what the left spent their weekend on as Trump is talking about martial law in the Oval Office. So. Earlier in the show, we already talked about that. We'll follow up on that. 
And we will also keep an eye on what what is happening in the Oval Office. Trump doesn't go out publicly. He's not been seen for I don't even know weeks now, uh, but he's talking about this stuff in the Oval Office. We'll continue to follow it. A quick story about Donald Trump's press secretary and senior advisor to the Trump campaign. Kaylee McEnany has now entered a complete and total fantasy world where up is down. Day is night. And I guess stupid is smart. Now, in the real world where I believe most of you live, Joe Biden won the election with the votes he garnered on November 3rd. And then those votes translated into electoral votes last Monday, December 14th, when electors in all 50 states met in accordance with the results in each state, casting their electoral votes uh, for Joe Biden to have 306 electoral votes. That's the process by which Joe Biden won in Kaylee McEnany's alternate universe. Listen to what she came up with. What is the update now that we're at this late date in terms of the challenges in other states and investigations that are ongoing? Yeah, there's still ongoing litigation in Arizona. There are a few other appeal options um, in Nevada and elsewhere. So the president's litigation is ongoing. Make make no mistake. Also, in the four states that we saw a lot of problems in with those big metro areas, the only metro areas where Joe Biden beat Hillary Clinton, ironically, uh, in those states, there has been an alternate slate of electors voted upon that Congress will decide in January. So we will see what happens. Ongoing litigation. This president's a fighter. He's not giving up. He will fight for the forgotten men. So she tells Fox News propagandist Sean Hannity that not only is there litigation going on, but alternate electors voted on December 14th as well, even in states where Joe Biden officially won and officially got electoral votes. If Republicans believe Trump really won that state, a second slate of Republican electors also voted for Trump. And as far as Kaylee wants you to believe, a court is going to decide or Mike Pence will decide on January 6th which electors to count. All right. It looks like Biden won and Democratic electors voted for Biden. But Mike Pence could choose to recognize an alternate slate of Republican electors. This is a grift. This is a grift. That's it. Some of you may have actually heard that there were such alternate electors in some states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, some other states. It's not untrue if you don't understand what it means to be an elector. Uh, it, it is untrue because these so-called alt alternate electors aren't actually electors in any legal sense. So what happened was that a bunch of Republicans appointed themselves alternate electors. It's a term that doesn't exist. There, there's no such thing as an alternate elector. It's not like a jury where you have 12 people on the jury and two alternate jurors who listen to the evidence and they're ready if a juror should fall ill. No, the, the, they, they did nothing of legal meaning. They appointed themselves electors and they cast votes for Trump in a meaningless, unofficial exercise. Mike Pence in the joint session on January 6th, he simply counts electoral votes. Mike Pence doesn't get to say, well, I've got 16 Democratic electoral votes from Georgia and 16 Republican electoral votes. Let me choose which ones to accept. It doesn't work that way. It's a fantasy world. And Kaylee is spreading this fantasy on Fox News. And it probably does lead to Trumpists continuing to donate cash to Trump. But it's fake. 
These electors are electors only in the sense that I could call up my high school classmates and say, guys, let's get together and cast alternate votes as electors. What? It, it's it's meaningless. Guys, let's get together and then Mike Pence or the Supreme Court will decide, do they count those electors or do they count us? It's fake. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. And people are actually being scammed out of money if they believe it, thinking let's keep donating because they're going to fight up, up until the, I guess the Supreme Court to try to get these alternate electors votes counted. It's just fake. You're falling for something that doesn't exist. Um, maybe I shouldn't be that worried about Trumpists getting scammed, uh, but I want to make sure it's clear that this is a complete and total fantasy. We'll have more about this on our Instagram page. You can find the show on Instagram at David Pakman Show. You can find me on Instagram at David The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, SNH Masks. SNH Masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for COVID-19. And they're giving my audience 20% off. SNH Masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell. And that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year, like many of you, and I still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell. It's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin, has a convenient adjustable strap, and it features a disposable five layer particle filter made of activated carbon. They also have disposable cloth masks, which are really comfortable, as well as all of the other gear like face shields, alcohol wipes, no touch infrared thermometers. And all of their prices are very reasonable. I also love SNH masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions. They're an excellent company. Shipping is just five bucks and shipping is free on orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. You can get there by going to davidpackmancom slash mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20 percent on everything in their store when you use coupon code David. Welcome back to the David Packman show. So this really has to be seen to be believed. Uh, Fox host Lou Dobbs has been one of the major nodes of spreading bogus election fraud claims since November 3rd. He's done everything from interview that wacky lawyer, Sidney Powell, to interviewing supposed witnesses of voter fraud who signed affidavits. He's been full on with this thing, repeating and allowing the promotion of completely baseless claims about companies like Dominion Voting and Smartmatic and others. He's really been full on with this thing. And then suddenly, a couple of days ago, Lou Dobbs aired a fact check that debunked his own election conspiracy theories. What on earth is going on and what's going on is fascinating. It turns out that Smartmatic, which is one of the companies that makes voting machines about which Lou Dobbs has been spreading this information. Smartmatic wrote a legal demand letter to Fox News, uh, Newsmax and OAN threatening legal action if they don't retract their completely bogus claims about Smartmatic. And the letter actually quotes Lou Dobbs 
It quotes Fox host Maria Bartiromo and others who simply will not stop making insane claims about voter fraud. And it looks like Fox lawyers decided that the letters had some teeth because Lou Dobbs ended up airing the following segment, which please understand this key part. This segment debunks the lies Lou himself was telling over the last five weeks. And Lou just looks absolutely miserable introducing this segment. And what's fascinating is that this is clearly a pre-produced segment meant specifically to get Fox News out of legal hot water. The questions are asked in voiceover. They're all very carefully worded. It's stunning to watch this. Take a look. Lots of opinions about the integrity of the election, the irregularities of mail-in voting, of election voting machines and voting software. One of the companies is Smartmatic, and we reached out to one of the leading authorities on open source software for elections, Eddie Perez, for his insight and views. Eddie is the global director of tech development at the Open Source Election Technology Institute. We asked him for his assessment of Smartmatic and recent claims about the company. Have you seen any evidence that Smartmatic software was used to flip votes anywhere in the U.S. in this election? I have not seen any evidence that Smartmatic software was used to uh, delete, change, alter anything related to vote tabulation. Smartmatic says its software was never used outside of L.A. County in 2020. Do you know whether or not that's true? That is my understanding. Uh, Smartmatic uh, functioned as the contract manufacturer for the Los Angeles County voting system. And that was a customized system that was effectively built to the county's order. I am not aware of them having any other direct customers relationships with election officials in the United States. What about Smartmatic and Dominion? Do you know if they're related, whether one owns the other, whether Dominion uses Smartmatic software? Both Dominion and Smartmatic have individually and respectively put out uh, very clear statements from their corporate headquarters, each of them indicating they are independent companies, they are not related to each other. It is my understanding that neither one of them has an ownership stake in the other or anything like that. So that directly debunks the things that Lou Dobbs and his guests have been claiming, including as an example, that there's some kind of nefarious link between Smartmatic and Dominion voting systems. And then at the end of this segment, they just cut directly to commercial. No explanation, no commentary from Lou Dobbs. Totally abrupt. Take a look. And this is right after debunking another one of Lou Dobbs previous claims. This is in which Smartmatic's technology was banned in the U.S. in 2020 due to security weaknesses or wrongdoing. I am not. I'm not aware of any instances where Smartmatic's Technology was banned in the U.S. Again, it is my understanding that outside of one customer in Los Angeles County, Smartmatic has no presence in the voting technology marketplace in the United States. Heading into retirement. Right to commercial with uh, with no word from Lou Dobbs there about how he has been making the opposite claims from that piece for about a month and a half now since the election. So it seems very clear that this was an attempt by Fox News just to rectify the legal problem they created for themselves by uh, airing this stuff for week after week after week. Now, it's interesting. It's not clear to me that this is a huge win. You and I see this and we immediately understand 
They've been making false claims for what, five, six, seven, almost seven weeks at this point, six weeks at this point. Um, the, the claims have been completely baseless. And once it became uh, once it passed a certain threshold, the companies about which the false claims were being made uh, got lawyers. They sent legal letters and Fox recognizes that they've got to issue some kind of legal. Uh, they've got to do something here to get themselves out of legal hot water. That's what you and I see when we see this. Unfortunately, a lot of Fox News viewers won't understand or even if they do understand they they are not going to believe or give that segment credibility. Uh, they give what Lou Dobbs has been doing the last six weeks credibility, but not that segment. The saying is something like everybody sees the headline and nobody sees the correction uh, one week later on the back page of the paper. That's basically what this is, what this is. Lou Dobbs aired lies that he likely knew were lies for the last six weeks. They got a legal demand letter from Smartmatic. We know that's true. And we are inferring that that's why that segment was aired again without any commentary from Lou Dobbs or him saying, I've been one of the people telling you the lies for the last however many weeks. Maybe that is enough for Fox News to get out of legal trouble. But the viewers aren't going to be convinced by it. The viewers are going to say what Lou Dobbs has been saying for six weeks is true. I don't even know what that segment's about. I tuned out once once it, it cut away from Lou. I thought it was a commercial. I walked away and, and grabbed a drink in the kitchen. I don't know if you guys remember, but back in 2005, Dan Rather on CBS News aired some improperly sourced documents about George W. Bush's National Guard service. And uh, it turns out that the documents they used uh, were not accurate. And four CBS executives were fired for that. And Dan Rather resigned over that mistake. Fox News, OAN, Newsmax won't stop repeating the same baseless lies about the election. And the penalty is that Lou Dobbs aired a two minute pre produced fact check without even acknowledging that he was one of the nodes of spreading the disinformation that that very segment was debunking. Even in the last 10 years, the downfall of seriousness in media has been absolutely stunning. And is it better that Lou Dobbs aired it than not airing it? All else being equal, given the fact that he's been spreading the lies, is it better that he aired it? Yeah, sure. The reason he aired it, though, is not to provide an alternative point of view, one that's fact based. It's because they got a legal demand letter and it's absolutely pathetic. So we are going to separately discuss this bizarre outburst that Donald Trump had on Twitter over the weekend. But here I want to focus in specifically on the absolutely massive cyber attack believed to have been perpetrated by Russia on the United States. We've now learned of a massive and ongoing long term cyber hack by Russia with evidence mounting more and more that points to Russia. Now, of course, you can always say we can never believe anything we're told about who did it. But in that case, you also couldn't believe the things that Trump says or what anybody says. So that's sort of a non-starter argument if we want to really evaluate this on, on its merits. But the details, as we know them right now, are that five major federal agencies were breached. Uh, according to multiple intelligence agencies, it's abundantly clear that it was Russia that did it. Now, multiple intelligence agencies drafted a statement saying Russia did this and the White House blocked the release of that statement, according to a senior administration official. Donald Trump's secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, even appeared on right wing radio show uh, uh, on the, the right wing radio show hosted by Mark Levin and said, quote, we can say pretty clearly 
that it was the Russians that engaged in this activity. Pompeo didn't get super specific, but U.S. officials have said privately it was the Foreign Intelligence Service, the SVR of Russia. That's what sort of replaced the KGB. No one is suggesting China played a role. They believe it was Russia. It's not hugely controversial. But Donald Trump goes on Twitter and contradicts his own secretary of state, Pompeo, as well as all intelligence agencies, and says, you know, it could have been China who did it, something for which we have no evidence whatsoever. Donald Trump tweeting, quote, the cyber hack is far greater in the fake news media than in actuality. I have been fully briefed and everything is well under control. Russia, Russia, Russia is the priority chant when anything happens, because lamestream is for mostly financial reasons petrified of discussing the possibility that it may be China. It may. No evidence of that. Remember, there could also have been a hit on our ridiculous voting machines during the election, which is now obvious that I won big. That's not true making it an even more corrupted embarrassment for the USA. So th th there are so many uh, uh, elements to focus on here. Number one, obviously, Donald Trump is not going to hold Russia accountable in his last month left in office. That's completely clear. But he's also adding without evidence that the hack even including m included more stuff like voting machines during the election. So it, it, it's considered the stunning nature of what he's saying. Trump is distorting what has taken place, downplaying it and saying the fake news is blowing it out of proportion, but then adding that there were actually even more things hacked than what the fake news media is telling you, raising this idea that voting machines were hacked, which is completely self-serving merely to support his bogus voter, voter fraud theory. So at the same time, he says this wasn't really a big deal. But voting machines were also hacked, which nobody is mentioning, which sort of makes it sound like it's an even bigger deal than what is being reported, because nobody's reporting that voting machines were hacked because there's no evidence of it. And then at the same time, sort of like as the cherry on top floating that it might be China when nobody thinks it was China and there's no evidence that it was China. Now, you don't have to be in favor of attacking Russia, neither as a left winger or a right winger to merely acknowledge there's really no reason to doubt that Russia did this and to concede that there's no reason to think China did do it because we don't have any evidence that China did anything. So this is a few different things together. First, this is another example of Trump opting out of even a mild rebuke of Russia. That's common. We've seen that this entire presidency. Second, this is Donald Trump trying to make anything that is out there in the news uh, to be evidence that the election was stolen from him when he simply lost, plain and simple. And then number three, this is Trump again trying to criticize China, even when they've not actually done the thing he's talking about. And fourth, of course, it's Donald Trump focusing on entirely the wrong things as usual. The response should be number one. How do we deal with this thing that Russia did? And number two, as the president, he should be talking about the fact that more than 3000 people are now dying every day from coronavirus and he's not come out and talked about it. He seems done with coronavirus. And number three, Trump still hasn't conceded. And that's globally shameful as well. So Trump silent on how to deal with Russia, silent on 3000 coronavirus deaths a day, silent on conceding this election but very loudly suggesting maybe China actually did this hack. 
It's pathetic. It's dangerous. It's a national security threat, and it is now an emergency to get this guy out. And that's coming. We are 30 days away, 30 days away from Donald Trump being gone. And that's something that's not just good for the country. That's very good for the world. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. One of our sponsors today is Helix Sleep, and it's a sponsor I'm thrilled about because I sleep on a Helix mattress at home and it's just the perfect mattress. One of the best things about Helix is you don't have to guess which mattress do I need, which one will be good for me. You take their famous sleep quiz on their website. You tell them your body type, your sleeping position, your back pain issues you might have, and they will pair you with a mattress that will be perfect for you. I took the sleep quiz. The mattress they suggested was exactly what I needed. I often get too hot at night. The mattress keeps me cool. It's not too soft. It's not too firm. The texture is right. And I've just been getting way better sleep. You only buy a mattress every decade or so. Don't get stuck with something that's not perfect for you. And all Helix mattresses come with a 10 year warranty and they'll even come to your house and pick it up within 100 days if you don't love it. But I think you will. All of my viewers will get up to $200 off your order and you'll get two super premium pillows for free when you go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman. That's H E L I X sleep.com forward slash P A K M A N. You can also find the link in the podcast notes for this episode. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. So as I mentioned earlier, Donald Trump continues to just be absent and missing as president. His schedule is clear every single day. Some days he'll have a private event like lunch with his own vice president. But Trump has essentially disappeared publicly. There's really no president right now. And fortunately, we're getting some leadership on the virus from Joe Biden, some leadership on climate from Joe Biden, who recently announced his climate team. Otherwise, we would really have no leadership at all in the United States right now. But being missing from the public did not stop Donald Trump from having a globally embarrassing outburst on Twitter over the weekend. Truly horrifying and shameful, not talking about the spiking covid deaths now, uh, excuse me, surpassing 3000 a day, not talking about his loss to Joe Biden still hasn't conceded but just continuing to spread debunked and baseless voter fraud lies. Now, we dealt earlier with the cyber hack from Russia and a couple of Donald Trump's uh, tweets over the weekend were about that, but I've already talked about those in another story. But the weekend was just rife with lies and pathetic red herrings and distortions from Donald Trump. Most of it focused around continuing to claim that he actually won the election. Trump tweeting a quote from right wing propaganda network OAN, quoting an anchor there, I guess, named Christina Bob, who said, quote, the lie of the year is that Joe Biden won. Now, of course, that's not true. And at this point, Trump will go anywhere. He will quote anyone who will say something that Trump wants to believe, whether or not he really believes it. I don't know. Donald Trump then attacking his former national security adviser, John Bolton, by saying, quote, what would Bolton 
one of the dumbest people in Washington know. Wasn't he the person who so stupidly said on television Libyan solution when describing what the US was going to do for North Korea? I've got plenty of other Bolton stupid stories. Remember, Donald Trump ran on hiring the best people and he hired John Bolton. And if indeed John Bolton is as stupid as Donald Trump has claimed him to be for years now, then it really says something about Donald Trump. Now, to be clear, Bolton can be stupid or smart and be a disaster politically. I happen to think John Bolton is not a dumb guy, but he's an absolutely horrible reactionary. I think Trump is actually wrong that Bolton's stupid. I think Bolton is a absolutely a terrible person when it comes to policy, but I've seen no evidence that Bolton is actually stupid. Donald Trump then tweeting in all caps simply, quote, greatest election fraud in the history of our country. That's obviously untrue. And then Donald Trump retweeting a conspiracy theorist named Jim Hoft, known as the Gateway Pundit, who runs a conspiracy website, who tweeted that, quote, simple math shows Biden claims 13 million more votes than there were eligible voters who voted in 2020 election. Now, that is completely untrue, completely baseless, but it doesn't matter when the president tweets it. Literally millions of people believe it without even looking further. That's the real tragedy of this. Uh, Donald Trump also retweeting some of the silliest, dumbest arguments I've seen from a right wing radio host named Kevin McCullough. Uh, for example, one with a map of the U.S. by county, which says Biden supporters seem to be really losing their minds at how angry they get when you tell them that Biden won only about 16, only 16 percent of the counties, they get even angry about that than the fact that they are all supporting a cheater who's OK with the cheating. Now, it's hard to parse the grammar there. I read it as as tweeted, uh, but this is something that they've been pulling out frequently lately, but it's meaningless. They, they are arguing, well, if you just look at a list of counties, Joe Biden didn't win that many counties, but of course, most of the people are in the counties Biden did win. What <laughs> the population of the United States is in the counties that Biden won disproportionately. Counties vary in geographical size, counties vary in population. The percentage of counties you won is a meaningless metric. And in fact, they don't even seem to know this. But part of what leads to gerrymandering is the drawing of these bizarre districts in politically advantageous ways. And the fact that you have lots of counties that are geographically large with few people, when you put up a map of red and blue counties, it's part. It's a similar distortion to what we see by gerrymandering different distort. It's it's similar in its nature. It's not the exact same data that is being distorted. Uh, but there are just dozens and dozens of these retweets of conspiracy theorists and others. And then this morning, Donald Trump sort of capping off a humiliating weekend of tweets with the tweet. Big news coming out of Pennsylvania. Very big illegal ballot drop that cannot be accounted for rigged election. At least he's not calling it a massive dump anymore, but it's still just as untrue. And as many of you may know, a week ago on December 14th, every state, including Pennsylvania, had their electors vote. Pennsylvania has voted for Joe Biden with their electoral votes. And that's it. 
they've been teasing things like this for weeks now. Whoa, big news out of Nevada. We're about to get Nevada. Uh, incredible what we massive dumps in Georgia. We're about to take Georgia. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. And so, you know, at a certain point, Trump will go. We're 30 days away. Um, we've talked about what happens to Trump's Twitter after January 20th. Right now, Donald Trump has uh, protections on Twitter for uh, world leaders where they are not subject to the same rules that you and I would be subject to when we tweet. It's uh, completely plausible that after Donald Trump is no longer in power, uh, he could be banned from Twitter or his tweets could even be taken down. We don't know. That's more of an academic question. The big picture question is, does Trump go quietly into the sweet night and he gets out of politics and we don't hear from him anymore? Or does Trump go as far as on the other side of this? Does he go as far as announcing his 2024 campaign on the day that Joe Biden becomes president? And does he campaign for the next four years, which would create dramatically different media environments and dramatically different political environments for the next four years? We won't know, um, I guess, until January 20th. But that will be the biggest factor in determining what the next four years are going to look like. There is an absolutely insane <clears throat> criminal, disgusting, immoral and depraved series of allegations against Donald Trump and his family, which are completely unsurprising if you've been paying attention for the last four to five years. A Business Insider exclusive investigation has revealed that Donald Trump's son in law, Jared Kushner, helped to create a Trump campaign shell corporation, which secretly paid Trump's family and spent on their behalf uh, one hundred and seventy million dollars in campaign reelection money. Um, it actually spent more than that in total, but at issue are about one hundred and seventy million dollars. Six hundred and seventeen million dollars is the total amount in play here. Now, we had rumblings about this story months ago. I've been covering this story for months. You all seemed very interested in it. The number of emails I got about it was huge. I did a story back in July called Trump campaign laundering millions to his own family. Uh, in September, the investigations into this were heating up and I covered it in a segment called Trump panicking, accused of laundering one hundred and seventy million dollars. This is all part of the same scam about which we now have more specific information. So listen to these details, which are being presented by a source familiar with this operation to Business Insider. The way this scam worked is that Jared Kushner, who is Trump's son in law and also a White House senior advisor, if you can believe that, uh, directed his uh, sister, uh, his uh, uh, his sister in law, Trump's daughter in law, Lara Trump. That's Eric Trump's wife. Got to keep all of it straight. Jared Kushner directs Lara Trump uh, and Mike uh, Mike Pence's nephew, John Pence and Trump campaign CFO Sean Dahlman to be on the board of this shell company that they created. The company is called American Made Media Consultants Corporation and American Made Media Consultants LLC. Now, that should ring a bell because this is related to the name of Donald Trump's former campaign manager, Brad Parscale's company. And what they did is they spent in total six hundred and seventeen million dollars. That's about half of the one point two six billion that Trump's campaign fundraised. And some of the spending was legitimate. So the issue is not the six hundred and seventeen million. The issue is that about one hundred and seventy million of that money is essentially laundered money as salaries to Trump's family 
and others, as well as a slush fund of all sorts of spending. Why did they do this? The reason they did this is believed to be to avoid Trump's donors finding out that a whole bunch of their money is actually just being funneled back out to Trump's family and friends. The next step is that if the Department of Justice finds that this was done knowingly and willfully, they would open up an investigation. But the big bombshell is that several sources from the Justice Department and FEC told the Business Insider that there are investigators that may already be looking into the campaign's activity. So there's a few different things to talk about here. Number one, is anybody surprised to hear this? If you've been paying attention, you couldn't possibly be surprised about this. Number two, I don't actually know that Trump's donors would really care if they knew about this. And what I mean by that is Lara Trump was getting one hundred and eighty thousand a year. You know, a whole bunch of people were getting uh, one hundred and eighty grand a year and all this all this money was being laundered into companies held by Trump's family and friends. If you went with this information to a lot of Trump's followers, I don't think they'd be mad. You would say to them, aren't aren't you upset that for every hundred bucks you donated, 50 was funneled to this company and then a bunch of that was funneled like to Trump's family just for going around and doing interviews and not not really doing much. Uh, And I think most of them would say, no, Trump has a great family and they're all helping him win. And uh, I'm I'm the point is, I think a lot of Trump's uh, donors would rationalize this money being laundered anyway. Now, number three. Here's something disgustingly ironic. The defense bill that Donald Trump wants to veto for ridiculous uh, 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 reasons also contains a crackdown on the use of shell companies to launder money. It's just like a side note. That's number three. And then number four, pardons. You know how we've been talking about is Trump going to preemptively pardon his family members, Jared, Ivanka, whoever. We weren't sure why Trump would think he needs to preemptively pardon them. Well, if Jared Kushner is being investigated for being part of this shell company money laundering scheme, that would be a great explanation. It would fit very neatly into the puzzle of why Donald Trump is reportedly considering pardoning people like Jared Kushner and others. Look at what we've been able to find out during the Trump administration about what they've done. Imagine what will come out once this guy is out of office. Truly stunning and remarkable. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. I have something special for you today. My live stream viewers may already be familiar with this. We have a number of regular callers to the show, many of whom have been calling in for a long time. You've got Troy York. You've got the San Antonio troll. You've got the Kansas troll who hasn't called in for a while. We have our friend, the Eggman. He's a friendly regular caller. There's all these regular callers. We have a new caller who we are calling re Peter, like Peter, the name Peter re hyphen Peter, because he will just call and call and call, repeating the exact same things over and over again. I introduced him to the audience two weeks ago on a live stream where he called me six times in a row with the same message last week. He called me 15 times in a row with the same message. I don't want to deprive the TV and podcast audience from this. So I've received 10 more voicemails. Just take a listen to this. Okay, I'm just going to give you a sampling. Each voicemail is two to three minutes long. We'll just listen to a few seconds. Here's the first one. David, the gossip show, I'm calling about you're talking about this virus. Listen to me very carefully. You're not going to understand this because you don't 
you're just not that smart. 99% of the people who get the virus survive the virus. You only have a, only 1% out of the people that get the virus pass from it. Okay. So that's voicemail. Number one, then number two, David, the gossip show, listen to me very carefully. This is about the COVID 99% of the people who get it survive it. That means you only have 1% of people that get it that don't survive it. 99%. So that goes on for two minutes. Then another voicemail coming in. Oops, sorry. Here we go. I'm going to repeat myself again, David, the gossip show. And like I said, David, you act like a little girl. You, you belong in a dress and then with some lipstick on it, high heels. Hmm. The coronavirus, okay, it's actually from China. It's actually the China virus. That's where because that's where it came from. Anyways, ninety nine percent of the people who get the coronavirus. <laughs> so that went on for three minutes, which is the maximum that our system allows. Call number four. This is for David, the gossip show about the coronavirus. Ninety nine percent of the people who get the virus survives the virus. That was two more minutes. Here's voicemail number five. I'll say it one more time, David, about the coronavirus. Ninety nine percent of the people who get the coronavirus, they survive the coronavirus. (laughs) That means just a little over one percent of the people who get it don't survive the virus. Voicemail number six. David, the gossip show. This is real simple. We have forensic proof that these Dominion machines oh boy. do uh, certain things to flip votes. So now he switches to Dominion voicemail number seven. These Dominion machines, we have forensic evidence, evidence, numbers, which don't do not lie. And then voicemail number eight. It's real simple. These Dominion machines are designed for fraud. OK, and then so there's five more. Um, can, isn't it insane that this is like my part of my job? Um, that I don't know what to tell you, my friends. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but the, the world is in rough shape. I think that uh, any, anything more specific as a commentary about this would really not do it justice. The world is in rough shape. We've got a great bonus show for you. We will talk about the new UK strain of the coronavirus and its implications. We will talk about uh, a lot of other things. Make sure you are a member and you will get instant access to the bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. Coupon code always available. Fresh start to save a bundle off of the membership of your choice. 